Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. I'm joined today by our Mississippi state writer, Dalton Middleton. We're talking baseball, a little football, a little March Madness, too. Lots going on uh, in the in the program today. Dalton, how are you, man? Parrish, I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to head down south and uh, go catch me a baseball series at LSU for the first time ever. So I'm, uh, I am uh, a little excited and a little not really looking forward to that drive. So, Well, uh, you know, of course, the drive's not bad. Maybe the, maybe because I can kind of do it uh, blindfolded and do it by memory. You know, right. Just, just the, the wheel knows where to turn sort of thing uh, for me. But uh, what's, what's the weather going to be like? Uh, I think it's supposed to be no rain. I think it's just supposed to be – about 50 degrees, so it'd be a little chilly. Okay, a little, little chilly, a little chilly. I mean, it's kind of, um, it kind of gets deceptively chilly down there, Dalton. I'll tell you, lots of times uh, the wind comes in off the river and it's just uh, cooler than you think it should be, but uh, it'll probably be cool down there. I, I remember some cool uh, baseball uh, growing up. I'll tell you, one of the, one of the coolest uh, places I was for football and this odd season in 2020 was LSU. And again, it was uh, that, that wind coming in off, off the river. It was just cooler than you thought it should be. So, yeah. Yeah. The football game I covered at LSU was the season opener. So it was still really hot that week. Uh, I think, I, I think I actually wore shorts and a t-shirt that day. Cause just how it was, it was pretty warm that entire uh, weekend, but yeah, LSU was a cool place to cover a game. I'm excited. I'm excited to go to Alex box stadium and cover it. It's just, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be yeah. The Big drive's not bad, like you said. The drive's not bad. It's only about four and a half hours. I just don't want to make it. <laughs> <laughs> it will be a good experience. Uh, hey, folks, before we get too far in the program, I want to thank our partners at the Oxford Park Commission. OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool this summer. The season opens Memorial Day weekend, runs through Labor Day. Lifeguard candidates need to be age 16 or older. They need to hold a current lifeguard certification. Any questions can be directed to OPC Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at jamie at oxfordparkcommission.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at oxfordparkcommission.com. You can apply online at oxfordms.net. Spring football starts Tuesday for Ole Miss. It's already started for Mississippi State, so the overlap season is in full swing as we finish up uh, basketball, both teams in the NIT this weekend, SEC baseball starts tonight. Uh, spring football is here, Dalton. It's just, it doesn't have that quite, uh, that busy uh, overlap feeling that it normally would because, I me, mean, look, when I think overlap season, I think uh, I'm going to Oxford like uh, five, six straight days. I mean, I've made the trip like uh, nine, 10, 11 days straight uh, with different things going on and Look, uh, you know, no, uh, no practice, no football practice viewing. Uh, all practices are closed. Uh, the baseball games, it's good to uh, be there to watch them. But uh, you know, all the interviews are Zoom, so we're busy. But it's just, you know, it, it's not like being there. Yeah, and um, honestly, the spring football actually kind of snuck up on me because I guess it was just it was publicized a little bit here. And of course I knew about it, but it was just like all of a sudden it seemed like it was on us just yesterday. Cause uh, I knew it was there and it was there. And then all of a sudden it was there. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, 
too big, of course. I mean, spring, you know, we don't get to go to any practices. So that's probably the reason why it kind of just snuck up on me there. Um, but yeah, the, the overlap season, uh, you get rid of one basically, and then another one comes real fast. Uh, when you get rid of the football, basketball one, and then all of a sudden it's basketball, baseball, and football again. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's going on right now. So, all right. So tell us about Jay Hobson, new hire at Mississippi State. I know you guys, uh, Visited with Mike Leach last night. Uh, typically, Leach doesn't uh, reveal a lot of things uh, about the program. He can talk for a long time and, and not really say anything. Uh, what did you guys learn last night? Yeah, he uh, yeah, Leach talks for about 10, 15 minutes on his pressers, and we probably get about 30 seconds worth of content out of it, um, real content. Um, that uh, he, he just said that Jay Hobson's been there for about a week. You know, he's, he's a guy that knows Mississippi – like the back of his hand, um, that he's just using him to kind of, you know, for to rely on, you know, learning Mississippi, trying to get an upper hand in the state, and uh, you know, and he's just he's just a good football mind on defense. He said he gets he gets smarter every single time he walks by Hobson, and he couldn't, uh, so he's going to walk past him a lot in the next practice. Is what he said. He's going to keep just walking back back and forth past him. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't. He didn't talk too much about him. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's excited to have him on there as that defensive analyst position. Um, what that defensive analyst position does, uh, you know, that's I think that's a little different for every team. I think that the, the, the analyst role, as they as they say, for every team is different and for every program is different because, uh, you know, I would imagine that defensive analyst that Alabama hires these top head coaches every single year to come be an analyst on their team is a little different than what an analyst will do for you know, one of our programs over here. Um, but yeah, I think he's, I think it's just, you know, it's a Mississippi guy that's had, you know, what nearly three decades of head coaching experience and uh, he's just happy to get him in here and help him out and get going, especially within the state. Well, I'll tell you what, I can see him certainly benefiting Mike Leach in that role. It, it kind of sounds like Jay Hobson is bored, you know, I mean, to yeah. take on an analyst position, I would think that, uh, you know, after a successful run at, at, at Southern Miss, that the next step for him would be uh, – I could see Power 5 coordinator, something like that. Um, I would not have thought the analyst would have been uh, his next move. But like I said, he might have just uh, wanted something to do, get back in the game a little bit. I, I do think that he would be an attractive uh, uh, coordinator candidate somewhere. So we'll see. Maybe he believes uh, the right fit's not, uh, not come along yet. But that was an interesting move. I mean, he's – of course, uh, he has uh, he played at Ole Miss, coached at Ole Miss, and and uh, to my knowledge, uh, it's kind of his first uh, time he's been around state as far as in terms of being on staff or, or anything like that. Good guy. Uh, I've I've always enjoyed uh, visiting with Jay Hobson. So now he's uh, on staff there. Yeah, in state. Well, you you mentioned that you thought he, you think he might be a good a big name for one of those coordinator roles. I I have to agree with that. Uh, you know, just looking at his coaching experience, you know, he's got stops at Florida and LSU. And, of course, you know, he was really successful at Alcorn State before Southern Miss. Had a successful run at Southern Miss. It, it, is, it does really seem like he just he is bored. You know, I don't, I don't see why he didn't get a coordinator role. I don't know if he wasn't trying, but I don't recall his name popping up in any coordinator or any job search roles within the past since – he, since he resigned after that first Southern Miss game this past fall. I don't recall his name really coming up a lot either. I do think he would be a good candidate, and, and it may just be that he wants to stay close to home. You know, he right. just wants to wants to hang around, and, uh, and and this is certainly an opportunity to to do that and to be involved and to be involved at the SEC level. But uh, 
you know, may, maybe that changes. Maybe uh, maybe he decides he would like to uh, get in the mix for uh, a coordinator position or, or something else. You know, I, you know, I heard his name uh, for a head coach at uh, ULM in Monroe, my alma mater there, uh, before they hired uh, Terry Bowden. But uh, obviously, you know, I, I don't know how far along he got in that search, whether he really pursued that or whether that was just a name. Uh, that was thrown out uh, as you throw out coaches' names and you see what sticks uh, during those searches. But uh, certainly I think, uh, you know, as uh, Mike Leach says, a guy who is not from Mississippi and he brings in a guy who uh, is very much from Mississippi, I can see uh, Jay Hobson certainly being an asset to that staff uh, in the way that uh, the Leach describes there. I, I know Leach uh, didn't have much to say in terms of, you know, didn't have anything really to reveal about the program. What, what do you think are uh, – the uh, key positions to watch there for state during the spring, uh, interesting battles going on. Well, you know, last year that was one of the ones that was actually pretty settled um, during the regular season and towards the end of it. But I think quarterback's going to be a big one. Um, Will Rogers comes back as a as QB one, but Jack Abraham's entered the program now, the old former Southern Miss and Oxford High School uh, quarterback who had a successful run at Southern Miss, but he's here now. And I think it, I think it, in the spring it's going to be kind of in between those two guys who's one and two, but uh, you know they got the they got the big time recruit um, coming in in the spring or coming in in the summer uh, that's really good and I'm I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, I hear those keys clicking though, man. I think that name is coming. Yeah, Sawyer Robertson. Yeah, that's what I say. It just said I was thinking of the other kid that's already. Uh, that's on it in the spring and I was like that's not him um but Sawyer Robertson's a four-star guy I think he was he's being recruited by Mike Leach before he came to state and uh now he's coming and I think that guy is uh he's really talented I'm not sure if he's going to take that QB1 role from Will Rogers but I think that's the uh that's going to be the real position battles it's between Rogers Jack Abraham and uh Sawyer Robertson over there um but we're, we're gonna see we're gonna see there I, I'm not real sure uh, on defense, you have to replace uh, Errol Thompson. You know, he started for four years at middle linebacker. Um, not real sure who's going to take that role. Maybe Nathaniel Watson played that a little bit last year. But there's a couple of guys over there that are uh, talented enough to to play in that role. John Lewis, he was a, a signee from Germantown, a four-star. I think he'll play that a little bit. Um, and then the and then defensive backs, you have, you have Martin Emerson and uh, Emmanuel Fulbert, both returning. But – most of that, as you remember, the defensive backfield uh, last year was pretty uh, awful at sometimes and was filled with a lot of walk-on players and players that they didn't expect to ever see the field, but because of injuries and opt-outs, it just kind of happened towards the end of the year. And I think they're really going to try to focus on figuring out some of those roles and getting some people to actually stick in right there that are actually going to be successful instead of guys that are going out there and get burnt by uh, – uh, whatever Ole Miss receiver wants to run a go route that day. Um, so tell you what, are, uh, they they gave up some plays, but they they made some plays uh, last year as as well. But uh, some of those uh, deep shots uh, that Matt Corral took, man, that was just that that Elijah Moore play. Still, man, the ninety-one yard play. I mean, that that, that he could get that open was just uh, was just stunning. Uh, Braylon yeah. Sanders had a nice uh, deep ball as well. So. Uh, yeah, yeah they got to make some improvement there. It seemed like, especially late in the season, that the two outside cornerbacks, Emmanuel Forbes and uh, Martin Emerson on each side, did their job seemingly almost every play. 
but it was always whoever was covering the slot guy and the two safeties that were just really, really struggling back there, the third cornerback. And uh, they usually the ones that go with the big play, it seemed like. So I think that that's going to be the biggest position of need this year and the biggest roles to fill because uh, the Ole Miss game, they gave up a lot of big plays, and then especially the Georgia game where uh, I think the, the, the kid, JT Daniels' kid, um, through for 400 or something yards and it was just deep ball for deep ball for deep ball no one could cover him so those were kind of the probably the biggest ones is trying to fill that linebacker spot um the defensive backs and the quarterback because uh, most everything is returning a lot you know they have a lot of players coming back baseball Ole Miss and Auburn open SEC play tonight uh in Oxford Swayze Field it's a 6 30 start a uh, little baseball news uh, for Ole Miss, Dalton, when you thought that Louisiana Tech loss couldn't get any worse. Uh, first baseman designated hitter Cale Baker is now expected to be out uh, four to six weeks uh, following – he's supposed to have hand surgery today. Uh, this was reported uh, by the, the Ole Miss spirit, and uh, Baker apparently injured his hand while swinging uh, in an at-bat against, uh, against Tech on Tuesday. They just don't – look, that's not devastating news. I mean, you hate to have uh, uh, injuries uh, for anyone uh, right now, but Kale Baker's hitting 194. He has just not really been a consistent producer. If he had, uh, he would have taken over at first base, which has kind of been a revolving door. They've right. not really gotten uh, as much out of that position offensively as they need to. So uh, – Go ahead. It's not like losing Tim Elko. And, and I hate to say that because I hate comparing kids, but like, you know, you mentioned him in 190 and kind of revolving door. I mean, losing him for four weeks, obviously you're losing an experienced player because Kel Baker was really good last year at times. And, uh, as you know, I'm sure, sure he's, uh, can show glimpses of being pretty good again this year, but it's not like you're losing Tim Elko who's been on fire lately. Um, and, and stuff like that though. Well, you, yeah, what you're missing here is potential because there's right. the potential for a home run when uh, when Kale Baker uh, gets up there. He has shown that he can hit for power, but he has not hit consistently, and you know that's why there have been changes at that position. So there are a number of different things that uh, that Mike Bianco can do now. A trail of floor looked like he was going to rise up uh, and challenge uh, Baker at that uh, position. Uh, and he did have a good weekend there in Texas uh, when they when they opened up, but he really he hasn't been able to win the everyday job either. And, and already uh, before Baker's injury, uh, Mike Bianco was starting to experiment at that position, uh, and he had moved Kevin Graham there a little bit, moved him in from left field, uh, keeping that bat and putting in freshman T.J. McCants, who is who has hit some, hitting about mm -hmm. two thirty or two forty right now. He's hit some. He's hit enough that uh, that they want to continue to invest in him and see if they can spark him to another level. And, and certainly, uh, he's very athletic. He's someone that they like uh, on the bases uh, as well. So I think that's what we'll see first, and uh, probably some more uh, some more get into the lab for Mike Bianco and push some different buttons and you know and, and see if you can spark somebody. But I'll be honest with you, I don't see anybody. There's nobody among the reserves, nobody on the bench right now that I look out and say, man, that guy, he, he really needs to be in the lineup and they're missing a great opportunity by not playing yeah. him. I'm not seeing that guy 
right now. So uh, Ole Miss, uh, you know, back in action tonight. Uh, they've lost two straight now, try, really trying to find themselves. They they don't get to the start of SEC play with a lot of momentum, certainly not with the momentum that they had a year ago when uh, conference play was canceled. Uh, they're going to miss uh, Doug Nikhazy again tonight. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about Nikhazy. I was going to see if there was an update on him because I hadn't seen anything since last weekend or whenever it was, whenever uh, Hoagland took over on the Friday night because he missed the weekend. Yeah, no real uh, no real update. We're just told that he is not going to pitch uh, in the series. So we'll see what that means. But uh, it, So does that – um. Does that stick Derek Diamond on Saturdays, or do they keep him on Sunday and move the other kid to Saturday? That pitch, I don't remember the other kid's name right now. Drew McDaniel, a sophomore, will pitch on uh, Saturday, and Diamond will stay on Sunday. And Gunnar Hoagland, who really has been their best pitcher, uh, will go tonight. Will uh, be in that Friday spot, and uh, probably will stay that way when Nikhazy does come back. I think they'll stay with Hoagland on. Uh, on Friday nights, Brad Henderson and I were talking about that uh, in the pod yesterday. He said that uh, that Bianco really likes that right, left, right uh, in the rotation. Uh, Nikhazy being uh, being the left-hander, they don't have a lot of uh, don't have a lot of left-handers. So uh, we'll see. Like I said, uh, Ole Miss uh, trying to reestablish uh, some momentum uh, as SEC play arrives. You know, they were the last. Uh, team to play uh, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament championship game in 2019. So they were the last two SEC teams to play in a conference game that mattered. You know, it mattered for something. So, right. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, State, uh, I would say, does have a little momentum right now. Yeah, they do. They've won seven straight games entering LSU. Uh, I think they've allowed only two runs or four runs in the last six games. Um, Pitching staff is, is, is playing really well, and it got a little boosted this weekend. This will be the first weekend that the trio of uh, Christian McLeod, Will Bedner, and Eric Sol Eric Sarantola all pitch. You know, uh, that was the original uh, weekend rotation that they were telling us was going to pitch this year. Um, and then Bedner has been dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury early in the season. Um, but he's made three appearances now, one start against Grambling. He's, he's really just pitched seven innings this year, but uh, – he threw one inning, then two innings, and then four innings like his last outing, and he's uh, only allowed two hits and struck out 14 batters. So he's looked really good. His his uh his velo's been up to about 95. So uh, Lamonis kind of has him right where right where he thinks he's ready. So he threw him into that Saturday role that he uh was originally planned to be in. Uh, Christian McLeod had his best outing of the year last weekend against Eastern Michigan. Um, and it looks like he's finally starting to find his groove. And then Eric Sarantola has still struggled. But uh, that Sunday, I think, you don't really need him to go too long. And that, that's that's the thing about Mississippi State is these starting pitchers, um, McLeod and Bedner are going to be good and give you good outings. Sarantola is kind of a, you know, head scratcher because he can kind of go either way. You know, he's kind of iffy whenever he gets up there. You know, he could either strike out the side or give up four home runs. You know, you don't really know. Um, but I think – Mississippi State and Chris Malonis, Chris Lamonis knows this is that the pitching staff is too it's too deep to allow a, a pitcher to go out there and get knocked around for five or six runs and uh, have to play from too big of a deficit because uh, you know you have Brandon Smith and Landon Sims and now Jackson Fristo who was originally a starter kind of in those long reliever roles 
And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see multiple times this weekend if a starter goes three or four innings and then they get pulled and then one of those long relievers comes in and throws three or four innings as well. And then all of a sudden, if you only use seven, two pitchers in seven innings and you're actually sitting pretty good with the bullpen. Um, because that's just – they have they basically have six starters that they kind of rotate in and out there that don't really need seven or eight innings out of any uh, anybody. So – it's uh they're they're playing well, but LSU's going to present a challenge. They uh they lead the nation in home runs, and they have 35 right now, averaging you know just about two a game. And but I think the good thing for State this weekend is that the wind is expected to be blowing in, um, which I'd imagine if it was blowing out would be would give some give State some troubles because one of their pitching staff, uh, like I mentioned, they've been playing really well. The only runs they have been giving up are basically like solo home runs. Um, They'll just leave the ball over the plate a little too much, you know, just you hang something and then all of a sudden it's one run on the board for the other team. But they've avoided trouble for the most part, but that, that, that is what she, that's what they have been giving up when they do give up something. And so if that wind's blown in, obviously uh, will probably help. Yeah. Seeing that from, from the Ole Miss staff, uh, they have the potential to hang a lot of zeros and, and uh, every now and then they can uh, get in trouble with uh, a solo home run, but uh, that, that happens. Um, shifting gears a little bit, uh, March Madness, uh, uh, Dalton, uh, the, the Rebels play uh, tonight. Two games, actually. The, the women play at 5 in the, in the WNIT. The men play uh, at 8.30. And uh, it's it's interesting, man. Uh, this team that, you know, won uh, 8 out of 10 and gets to that game in the SEC quarters against uh, LSU, and basically uh, that's – what most observers thought was a win and you're in the dance uh, for Ole Miss. Uh, you know, they play well. They, they really, uh, you know, contain LSU defensively uh, with all their weapons uh, the best that they could. They end up losing 76 to 73. So a, a spirited effort there, uh, a strong push at the end of the season. And now they could be down two starters uh, against a good team in the NIT and Louisiana Tech. Um, they will be without KJ Buffin, who has opted out, which is, uh, which is to say quit. Uh, and they will be, and it's kind of hit and miss. Don't know if they'll have a Devontae Shuler or not. Uh, he has been away from the team visiting his mother who was having surgery. And uh, there's going to be that, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what the NIT's protocol is, but that's something that will have to be considered uh, before he gets back with the program. And uh, Kermit Davis this week, I really didn't know if he would or would not have Devontae. They could be without two starters tonight against a, a pretty good Louisiana Tech team. Yeah, I, I got a question for you on that part. I know um, without spreading too many rumors, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to – I have a question. I remember a few weeks ago or maybe it was last month or sometime where Kermit Davis had come out in a post game and said that he wanted to see more out of a specific player and how um, – he didn't think they were playing very well or shooting very well. Was that Buffin at that time, or who was that? Do you remember? I've heard him say something similar for, you know, different guys. Uh, the thing about Buffin was, uh, you know, Kermit never used the word suspension. He never said K.J. Buffin is suspended. You know, usually, uh, you know, the, the, the time-honored uh, description when somebody, uh, you know, is just told you're going to sit out a while. It's uh, suspended uh, for whatever reason, uh, usually violation of team rules or, right. you know, coach's decision. Well, we never heard the word suspension, but it was the Tennessee game uh, back in 
oh gosh, I think that was early February, where basically uh, you know, Buffin's time had been reduced. Uh, Buffin was uh, criticized uh, by, by Kermit uh, for basically jawing with the refs, basically uh, being uh, theatrical, uh, demonstrative uh, when calls didn't go his way. Uh, uh, Kermit would tell us that he, he's got to let that go. He's got to play through that. He's got to move on uh, to the next, you know, move on. Uh, and he said he would tell KJ that, look, man, these guys are human. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to miss calls. But, you know, when you call them out on it like that by your by your reactions, you know, you're certainly not going to get the next call. And, and certainly it's affecting uh, focus for you on the next, uh, you know, the next trip down the floor that sort of thing. So he, he had all that going on. And, and then uh, uh, KJ was not dressed out, was on the bench when street closed uh, mm -hmm. against Tennessee. And it was described as personal reasons. Uh, he's not playing for personal reasons. Yeah. I just, I remember seeing something about a player and it may have been that situation where he called out KJ Buff and when Kermit did, I remember seeing a tweet or something where Kermit says something post game about one of the players, how he just didn't think they were doing enough or how he just thought they should be playing better or something along those lines. And I was just like, man, he's really is singling out this individual player. And I was like, the, obviously that, that sounds like that relationship between them two is not very good. And then the guy missed the next game. And I'm guessing that is buffing. That, that, yeah. That sounds like that was, that was buffing. Um, Kermit and, will uh, let them know when they're not, uh, when scholarship players aren't making scholarship plays. Uh, well, so, you know you can't do that nowadays because everyone gets too upset about it. So, not not too big, not too surprised, I guess, at the yeah. news if that's the case. Which obviously might have nothing to do with that at all. But yeah, but um, uh, that uh, really you know puts them in an interesting position next year in terms of bigs. I mean, you can see uh, transfer coming in. Don't know who that'll be, but they'll they'll have to get some help from the portal. Uh, but for tonight uh, against Louisiana Tech, I would imagine they'll have. Uh, a rotation of three bigs between Romello White, uh, Robert Allen, and Sammy Hunter. Hunter has come on and has played well uh, in spots at the end of the year. Uh, but if they need to dig a little deeper onto the bench, I mean, you could see a guy like uh, Antavion Collum, who has appeared in only seven games. And it uh, just moving forward into, uh, like I said, into next year, they're going to have to have some help from the portal, going to have to get some bigs on the roster. They've signed a couple of, you know, three guards that they're really high on one of them, uh, Deshaun Ruffin, we uh, spoke about earlier in the week with David Sanders, uh, his high school coach at, uh, at Callaway. Um, State, they go on a big deep run. They start a deep run tonight in the NIT. What do you think? Well, they start tomorrow on Saturday, but uh, it, I think it's possible, but um, it's kind of, uh, it's going to be a tough one. St. Louis is uh, actually pretty good um, when I was looking at them and, and kind of examining them. It's really going to be a battle of the big threes because, uh, you know, St. Louis has uh, a kid, Javante Perkins, and then uh, Jordan Goodwin, and then they have another big kid named like Hassan French, I think, or the three big three who uh, average, you know, close to 30-ish, 40-ish uh, points, probably about, probably about 40 points together. Um, and, you know, one of them had 10.3 rebounds per game, which is a lot in college. As, as a guard, he's like their number two uh, on the, the floor shooting guard. He averaged 10.3 10 rebounds per game. So a really good rebounding guard. And it'll, it'll pose a threat for um, 
for DJ Stewart, Iris Milanor, and Tolu Smith. I'm really excited to see the Tolu Smith versus the Hassan French kid inside because uh, St. Louis is a really, really good rebounding team. Um, they averaged about 40 rebounds a game, so about about like State did, about like those top teams the SEC did. Um, but they out-rebounded teams by almost an average of 10 per game um, this season. I think it was like 9.6 uh, they out-rebounded teams by an average of. Um, so it's going to be if you know if they if they beat State on the board by ten, I think that's a complete loss for State. But uh, if State goes there and Tolu Smith has a good night, you know he uh, he led the SEC in rebounding this year with eight point six per game. He had eight double doubles, just had a really good season. Um, if he can go out there and kind of attack the glass and set the tone there, then I think State could, has a good chance to win that game. But also, State has the chance to go out there and score. 35, 40 points in a game and not have any offense like they've done sometimes this year. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what to expect out of this matchup. Yeah, I think they play better offensively than they did against Alabama. I just think that, you know, usually you follow up that kind of embarrassing game with a little more effort, a little more focus and intensity. And and lots of times that, that leads to a better production. So yeah, we'll it'll be uh, everyone's playing. So we talked to Ben Howland yesterday and, uh, there's no opt-outs, nothing. Every single person's playing. Abdul Adu uh, is it's his last game, probably, um, presumably, um, unless they win. So, you know, I imagine they're going to try to get a few more games for him. I think he's the career holder for starts in, in Mississippi State and a big guy that uh, there's a question mark about him coming back next year since he, everyone got an extra year of eligibility. So, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a, a nice little weekend for him, I'm sure. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. Talking SEC through the lens of Mississippi, we thank you for clicking in. Be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford. Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good stuff. In those groups, thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us Monday.